And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Today's episode of The Leaf Report is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Okay, James, it's a very special edition of the podcast. We've got very Mark special. Masters from TSN. Mark, very special. hi. Good to be back. Record-setting appearance, I think. Yeah, Mark is our, uh, Mark's our Alec Baldwin. He, is, uh, <laughs> he has been a guest for us more than anyone else. It's high praise. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> You're a good guest. Our live shows, you brought the house down. You know, I think I think so, I think the crowd was a little bit skeptical at some of those live shows, and then you had them won over in the first couple of minutes. Yeah, they're like, "Who's this guy?" <laughs> then they learned. I've always thought you could be a good politician if you wanted to. Like, if you wanted to start getting out there, become—I don't know—you. I, I think you could be prime minister. I could. I think you've got a future in politics if you ever wanted it. I think the people deserve better than me. I'm not smart enough. It's um, uh, you're. Uh, I think you could be a good like improv comedian or something don't like i i don't know like you're one of the funniest guys on the beat and i think sometimes some fans don't know that because they just see you doing the stand-ups on tsn but you know the stuff with with babcock that's all that's all mark masters for sure yeah you know that was i we had a lot of fun um uh he 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 knew he could push me around a little bit and uh, he knew i didn't mind getting pushed around if it if it made for a good tv so uh 
Um, yeah, I don't know about stand-up comedy, but uh, but I would like to find ways to get the personality out a bit more. It's tough sometimes, uh, you know, the stories that, that end up uh, being done on a day-to-day basis are, are sometimes on the drier side. So uh, we see if we can't spice it up once we get back uh, to doing what we love to do and covering the day-to-day beat of the Leafs. Well, I'll just let it out here. Unleash the fury. <laughs> it's hard to be funny in this day and age, guys. I don't know. I'm watching a lot of the news and... Oh man, it feels like this is going to take a while and, uh, and, uh, it's bleak at times. So, uh, might be, I don't want to be a downer, but it's, it's, it's hard to find, uh, find the humor these days. Well, the leaf reports, leaf reports like a ray of sunshine in these dark times. <laughs> That's true. I've always felt that about this podcast, that it's uh, <laughs> a beacon of hope in, un, in an uncertain world. Well, and so Mark, you just wrote yesterday on Milos Raonic and kind of looking ahead to the summer. And then as we're recording this on Wednesday morning, Wimbledon gets canceled. I don't know. It's just, like you said, it's a weird time. Um, How are you kind of keeping yourself sane? I'm just trying to do a lot, as much work as I can do. Uh, I've learned how to Skype. That Roundage interview was my first Skype interview. So that's that was cool. Um, I got a couple more today, hopefully with Jeannie Bouchard and Vashik Pospisil. Um, to react to, to what's going on with Wimbledon and, uh, um, and in the cancellation for the first time since the second world war of that. Uh, uh, so, and I, am trying to kind of divvy it up. Uh, There hasn't been a lot of access to the NHL and and when they have done the NHL availabilities, it's been obviously conference calls or zoom web, web, uh, web uh, conferences. And those are great. And I appreciate the NHL doing them because, um, it's nice to see the players. It's nice to hear the players hear, hear what they're doing uh, after it had been a while since we'd heard from anyone. But I'm trying to trying to focus on uh, for, for, you know junior hockey a little bit because you know I have some contacts with the World Juniors, and so I talked to Nick Robertson um, for a, for a little bit last week, and Quinton Byfield over the weekend, who's going to be a top pick in the draft, whenever the heck that is. So I'm trying to do different things um, to keep busy as much as possible. Uh, working from from home, and uh, I think me and my wife Robin have a good setup. We're just sitting uh, side by side right now at our kitchen table, and uh, and uh, we got a nice little work setup here. So we're both How, in the uh, same class right now. What would Mark? What would you give for a Leafs road trip right now? <laughs> like a back to back in Newark. You know. are, are you guys looking at the schedule to see like where we would be on each of these days? Because uh, I've no. been kind of. We, like I was like, oh, you know, Leafs Capitals this week, uh, you know, Matthews Ovechkin, Rocket Race, and uh, I always enjoyed going to Washington. That was such a fun playoff series a few years back. And so, uh, yeah, even that Tampa-Carolina road swing, which would have been really tough on a back-to-back, uh, the previous week, I was like, yeah, that I wouldn't have mind the – I would not have minded that, uh, that trip. And then to Ottawa, like that was looking like a pretty daunting road trip, three and four, Tampa, Raleigh, Ottawa – but I would have loved to have been doing that last week. But uh, yeah, I would never have thought that, you know, I was look, you look at your phones. I never delete any of my uh, alarms. So I don't know. I got like 3 a.m. I was like 2.45. When the heck was that? But some of these flights we do are pretty early. But uh, we never thought I would miss them. But I, I kind of I do miss the grind. Okay. So what we're going to do today, I thought, was I asked you both to pick a few of your a few players who you think are particularly or were particularly interesting this year. 
So what we're going to do is we're each going to name one guy. We're going to talk about that guy and then move to the next guy. So does everyone understand? Did you understand my texts? I don't know. It's pretty complicated. Okay. <laughs> Tough stuff. Interesting is a very uh, open-ended you... word. Exactly. That's what I wanted. I actually woke up at like two in the morning and I'm like, this. I got an idea. Let's try this. So, Mark, let's start with you. Who is like the 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 number one on your list? Most interesting leaf this year that you want to talk about? We're going from one to four A, eh? or we're going from the top to the bottom. Um, yeah. Okay, or whatever. Well, Do it in whatever way you want. You can pick no, whoever you want. No, we should start with the headliners. So interesting is an interesting word because it can be good or bad or anything, really. Uh, so I, I went with William Nylander. Uh, I can't get a read on this guy, and he had an amazing season. Uh, and I still think there's more there. And uh, you guys know how hard he, he can be to interview. Um, yes, I just find him so interesting. I just find him an interesting guy, his fashion, his swagger. Uh, and I, I think like he's got that smile. Like he's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing this year and I can be even better. And I agree. I think he can be even better. It's funny. I I mentioned, I talked to Quentin Byfield, uh, over the weekend and he was saying that his favorite player for, for a couple of years was William Nylander. And, uh, I didn't think that they played similar styles and he was just like, he's so fun. He, he, you know, he, once he has the puck, he can't get it off him. And he's so creative in the different ways he scores. And I think there's still more there. And uh, I don't know. I just find him an interesting guy. I, I always leave interviews feeling like there's more there. And I wish I could get it out. But uh, so he was number one. He was number one on my list. We put out the question for uh, listeners of the show to ask things to Mark. And there were a bunch of Nylander questions. And they said they were kind of, weren't <laughs> they kind of like, why does Nylander hate you or something like that? Oh, like, man. So, <laughs> what, okay. Like I don't know what what's the what's the reference what's the context? Okay, the last game before the pause, I uh, interviewed Nylander in the first inter was it the first intermission? Yeah, the first intermission I think uh, of the game against Tampa. He had scored on the power play, and I was I asked him, you know, I know that it, it's a really tough. It's not tough, but you're always trying to ask a question that will elicit something different. And usually, if a guy scores a goal. Uh, you ask them just about their goal. Um, but I thought the power play had been, uh, uh, you know, dry and they had tried some different things the previous pr day in practice. So I thought I'd start by asking him that. Uh, and he, he was quick to point out that, that the goal that they scored on the power play was their usual formation. Nothing had changed at all. Uh, and not the formation where Marner would circle up top and, and get a look from, from, from the blue line. So, um, and it wasn't really William's fault because we were actually showing him the goal. So he thought he, he should, you know, speak to the goal. So I, that, that's kind of on me is you got a television is a visual medium and whatever is being shown to the viewers. That's what the guy's supposed to be talking about. So a uh, faux pas by me. So I try to circle back after that question uh, and uh, say, okay, yes, that's true. But like, what do you think this new look could do for the power play? And he's just like, but it wasn't the new look. So it kind <laughs> of felt like he was shutting me down. He was smiling throughout the whole thing. Uh, that, that usual smile. I mean, Jonas knows that smile. I mean, everyone knows that smile of where he doesn't say much, but, but he smiles. And, uh, and then I asked him, I said, oh, how, you know, is this the best you've played or how close are you to the best? And he's like, you can always improve. And then he walked away. It was just a funny interaction. Uh, and it, to me, you know, a lot of people took it to be like, he was, he was hitting me around and, and I guess kind of, he was, but, uh, cause, because he knew, I think he knew what I was trying to say, but, uh, but to me, it just showed how 
confident he was, how in a zone he was, how good he was feeling that, that he was just, he smiled throughout the whole thing. So that was the thing. A lot of people, I got that on that night. Uh, and, uh, it's funny. I walked in and Ray Ferraro was sitting in our, in our little studio after I was like, I'm like, I'm not sure how that's going to be received that, 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 that interview, but it was a positive in the sense that at least it, it wasn't the, the usual interview that people kind of well, roll their eyes at the, the usual. Yeah. Thing, I, guess. I mean, there was some, there was some truth there, right? Like even, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess some of the viewers might've misinterpreted it, but that, that kind of, that interaction is William Nylander, right? Like I can't yes. think of another player I've covered that's He's almost so confident that he doesn't really care if that's I don't know. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't like yes, he doesn't pretend true. in those interviews with the media. I think like what it is, James, is is he like you're saying, he's confident enough that I don't think he feels he just like he has care. to explain like, it to you. Like yeah. I I know it, so I don't need to tell you. Uh I think that'll change as he gets a little bit older. And to me, like that's what's really interesting or a good lesson, I think, for anyone who who's around hockey is not to make judgments on these guys when they're so, so, so young. Like the talk around Neilander when he was going through the contract dispute was just so definitive. He's not this, he's not that he's not going to be worth it. And like he was 21, 22 at the time. Like it was clear he had an enormous skill set. I think like at times in, in sports, you just got to be a little bit more patient and allow these guys to grow up and get bigger and get stronger, get smarter and like you can see it now, he's 23, he's going on 24, and he looks like a star. So when are they trading him is the real question. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like the fact that those were real, like, and I get it, like those were serious things that people were talking about. They should trade him. They should get rid of him. Like he's not that good. Anyway, I, I don't know how you that guys contract's feel contract's looking like decent value now, eh? I think yeah. even the people that liked William Nylander underestimated him. I mean, he's had such yeah. a good year this year that I, d- I, I thought he could do this. I didn't know he would he would turn it around so quickly. I didn't know that he would get here so fast. So, I mean, this, he obviously has this skill set. I, I think if this team didn't have Marner or didn't have Matthews, I think we, we would talk about William Nylander in a much different light and he would be yes. so much, you know, like it's just because they have all of these special offensive players that, yeah, no, I think the contract's great, great value. I mean, and and I think even when it was signed, it was fine. It was it it was fine. It was market value, but it, everyone compares him to Pasternak, which just it's it's not fair. I mean, if if they would have signed the contract a year early, then maybe they would have got him on a bargain like Pasternak. He called a shot too, guys. He said he was going to dominate, and uh, <laughs> you know, before the year, like that's the word he used. Uh, he said that in training camp in Saint in in Newfoundland, right? Yeah, like, I mean, even before that, in some of the interviews he was doing in the lead up before training camp, and I think, well, didn't Babcock have a funny line? Like, he said that that's what he told him. Like, he went up yes. to him in the gym and was like, it was the first it day. <laughs> yeah. It was the yeah, first, first on ice day in Newfoundland, and Babcock says to us, he says, oh, William says he's going to dominate. So, <laughs> <laughs> and he did. Well, he really did. Babs kind of rolled his eyes, didn't he? Yeah, well, he was kind of like saying, like, that's great. He's like, now I'm putting it on the record so everyone knows that that's what he's, you know, he likes to put people, on, you know, in, in focus. And he's like, yeah, that's what he tells me. And there wasn't much. Babcock didn't like to, to, to fool around a lot with that sort of thing. He would always kind of be like, this is what's happening. Good. I want to see it now. <laughs> well, and I think you go, you both have kind of touched on it. He's still like kind of just scratching the surface of what he can become. Like he's played a lot more left wing this year. That's new. He's he become, called a shot on that too, guys. I yeah. think Sheldon Keefe said he came to me and said, I want to try that side. And they did it. And it worked great. I mean, he's so versatile. He can play every forward position. He's really valuable for them. 
I still wonder if there's a world where he plays center. I know they're they are they don't seem inclined to do that, but well, how do you get him enough minutes though? I mean, I think you only put him there if someone's hurt. Well, I think eventually he's your second center, no? Like as Tavares gets into his I don't think this is going to happen, but that's what like it's crossed my mind, especially with the challenges they've had in that third center spot. It, once Tavares ages a little bit more, I don't know. I don't think it well, should then, be rolled. Then out. you got to trade somebody. You can't have one of those guys making that money as your third center. Well, when Tavares is thirty-one and he's slowing down, I mean, he's almost there, he's, is <laughs> right? Well, so, well, I don't know if he's there yet. Um, anyway, like the, the point is, like even on the power play, they they've they moved him around. He's become a 30 goal scorer. Like it doesn't feel out of the question. I don't know that he's going to be around 30 every year. I think he's probably closer to 25, 20 well, to Well, he's 25. on pace for 37. He was on pace for 37 this year when yeah. Armageddon The hit. shooting percentage is a little high, but he's a, he's he's got an amazing shot, obviously, and he's hit the net a lot more. I think it's interesting like where he if – he, if he's not playing center, which is the likelihood, is where they eventually put him. Like is he with Matthews? Is he with Tavares? Or is he just doing what he did this year when he's bouncing around between both? Uh, I liked him on both lines. I, I think he can work in a lot of different spots. Um, and I agree with you, Jonas. I think in a, in a pinch he can be at your, your center. Um, if, if, if someone gets hurt, that gives you a valuable, you know, kind of break a uh, glass in case of emergency kind of option. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really impressed with him and I think there's more there. And, uh, that's why he was number one on my most interesting Leafs list. All right, James, your turn. Who, who do you <laughs> that, want to talk about on your list? That was a TV segue right there for the podcast. Like that's why we have Mark here because he can just transition so well. So I got a pick now. Yeah. Your guy. And, and the criteria is just pick anybody, right? No, let's pick anyone who's interesting to you who's had an interesting year in some way. All right, I picked Michael Hutchinson as my pick. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Why can't, You're getting why can't vetoed. He, why can't you want to talk about? You want to talk about Michael Hutchinson? What do you want to talk about? Well, just about how the decision for him to be their backup caused a okay. lot of problems this season. Yeah, fair that's, enough. That's okay. why I picked him. Okay, so you have the floor. Go ahead. Well, and I think this is there's like some Anderson and Jack Campbell discussion that goes into this too. I mean. Hmm. I mean, the thing that the thing that baffled me about the Leaf season that I could never kind of figure out is why they decided to do in goal what they did. I don't like. Is it just? Do you guys think it's just like a financial thing that they just they couldn't do anything more than what they did, or do you think this is what I kind of thought in the summer and we talked about it a lot? Um, they went into the year before with four goalies and they were like, "Look at all this goalie death we have," and then they lost two on waivers on the same day, the cut down roster cut down day. I wonder if they thought, you know what, we're not going to load up with a bunch of goalies and lose them on waivers. We're going to be the team that's going to be there and can claim a guy on waivers if 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 the opportunity presents itself. And then there wasn't really anyone good that that other teams gave up on, mm-hmm. and um, they didn't have any other option. And they were left with Michael Hutchinson, and they stuck with him until, I mean, uh, into February. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, that's to me for the front office, that's the most baffling decision that they made last summer and, and during this season. Well, do you guys think um, that because the Marner situation was unresolved and they didn't know where that was going to come down, that they may not have felt that they could invest more in that position without making it more complicated with Marner? Well, you can invest to the max that you can demote without having it impact your cap, right? So you could. Right. They could sign someone up to, I, I believe it's a little over a million dollars that you can bury in the miners. So they could have signed someone for a million bucks or traded for someone that made a million bucks. And then 
it wouldn't have mattered where Marner came in, really, because, I mean... But then you're demoting that guy, and then Hutchinson's your backup, no? Or that guy's your backup, and you're demoting Hutchinson. I mean, at least... But at I least guess what I'm you... saying is... I guess what I'm saying is the difference in the money might be enough that it causes problems if Marner comes in higher than you expect. Does that make sense? I think they could have afforded a little bit more for a goalie. Like, I'm not talking... I'm talking, like, another, like, 300 grand or something. Like, I'd... And the other thing, too, is that there should be lots of backup goalies or guys that play in the AHL or in Europe or whatever that you can sign for the league minimum. Like, there should be more Hutchinsons available. All, like, even if they had two Hutchinsons, at least it's like if something goes wrong, if shit hits the fan and one of the guys isn't very good, you can play the other guy. And then you can just, like, at least you have another option. They don't. They didn't have another option this year. It feels like, you know, every, there was a great uh, How I Met Your Mother episode about everyone has a blind spot that they don't realize. And it feels like that was the case for the front office with the backup goalie because a lot of us were looking at Hutchinson and saying it could go this way. And then it went that way. And we saw what happened. And as you said, they didn't really have a plan B. Uh, Casimir Kaskisuo did not seem to be that guy. But it sounds like, James, you're, you're you know, dubis or, or the front office should be on your, your most interesting list. Did, did either of you guys have Frederick Anderson on your list? He's he's like um, I have him. If if one of you guys picks one of my other guys, then he's on my list. He's my number I just, four. I just want to know why he, you know, how would we explain? And and he, maybe he was going to turn it on, and the, the, the stretch drive was going to be more of the good Freddie. But why did he have his worst statistical season? Right, like that's one of the big questions. Was it because there was no backup? Was it because the workload finally caught up to him? Um, did he lose focus? He mentioned he lost focus. Was he losing focus because, because he knew he had to carry the load because the team wasn't playing good defensively. So to me, that, that was one of the more unresolved issues of this Leafs season is why Frederick Anderson had by numbers, at least a down year. And I don't know what the answer to that is. And to me, that makes him interesting. I didn't have him on my list per se, but that issue to me is one of the hanging issues in this Leafs season is why Frederick Anderson had a 909 save percentage. Do either of you guys think that some of it has to do with the blue line and how this team plays defensively and that maybe they're not as strong as some of the, the or, or maybe they're less predictable or maybe there's something about that that didn't work as well for Frederick Anderson? Or is it all, is it all? I suppose like, I should, that I, could be part of it, James, couldn't it? I, like if you yeah, have I Ron Hainsey so. there instead of Cody Cece, who's a little bit more, uh, what's the word? Well, they had injuries on D that they didn't really have the other years too, right? So they 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 kind of had like a cast that was changing all year on the blue line. You know, Dermot Coaching was change? hurt to start the year. Yeah, the Riley was hurt. Change, yeah. Riley was hurt all year. Yeah, they changed coaches and and the system that they wanted to play on defense was. I just, I think, and he hasn't said this overtly, but I think that Anderson thinks that his job has been harder this year, and that the numbers don't tell the full story of he, the fact that ab- his job. He absolutely believes the numbers don't tell the full story. What's interesting, and James, I apologize for my reaction to your choice of Michael Hutchinson because it's turned out to be a great choice. I thought it so, through. I thought it yeah, through. Yeah, good, good job. <laughs> What's interesting, like different than you. I, I figured you guys would all have Nylander, Marner, Matthews, so I would pick. And that's different. what we like about you. But I think when you look back, what's really interesting is when you go back to camp. I remember talking to Anderson in Newfoundland about the workload. And so they were hoping, and he was hoping, that he'd play around 50 games or 50 to 55, whatever. That would mean like that Michael Hutchinson would have to start 25, 30 times. And that never seemed to make makes no logical sense. sense. The no. other thing we didn't talk about was they did try to bring in someone else in Michael Neuverth, but obviously 
he was always going to be a big, uh, I don't question know, red mark. flag, question mark. Yeah, because like you just never knew what you, you got. And you wonder if they were able to find a guy who could give them 25 starts, whether the workload thing would have helped. Or maybe not. Like maybe Maybe he's better playing more games. I don't know. I mean, it sounds kind of weird to talk about Michael Hutchinson, but I think this is one of the main storylines of their season. Because I think that if yep. they have a different backup goalie that wins them another three, four, five games, the way we look at this year is completely different. Heck, would Babcock have been fired? They would have been in... Well, I mean, they lost a lot of games with the backup goalie in there. And Babcock wasn't a Michael Hutchinson fan. And I'm sure... Or a Garrett Sparks fan. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure he's <laughs> And he wasn't wrong. He no, was right. he was right on that. He was right about both those guys. So yeah. I I just think that it sounds dumb that this this backup goalie that they got rid of that only played 15 games for them, but you know, he went 4-9 and 1. If they win like another two or three of those games, the Leafs are so much higher in the standings yep. that it there's there's less pressure on the whole roster yep. to and and I'm sure some of the players look at it and be like, "Look, like I know we haven't had like an outstanding season, but we've been better than our record looks because of what was going on in net. And some of that's Anderson, but also like the backup goalie thing was just such a predictable problem for this team. Well, and look how they reacted when Jack Campbell came in. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I think I honestly, I think the dressing room was ready to see Michael Hutchinson go. And so anyway, well, look at some of those games. Like you got like the fact that we can think off the top of our head, some of the games that got away from them just because of the goaltending Imagine if you're a player, like remember that Florida game at home in early February where they were playing like perfectly and then Anderson gets hurt in the first period, doesn't come out for the second. They give up three shots in the second. They dominate. And then Hutchinson just like falls apart in the third and they lost. And and after the game, they kind of took it on themselves. They didn't really, they're not going to throw him under the bus, but that was one of those games where if you're a player, like, man, like what are we supposed to do with this guy? Sheldon Keefe was so done with Hutchinson, he basically announced the Campbell trade in his post-game scrum in New York. You remember that? Yes. We're what did he say? Some we got things. some things happening. Did, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we got some. Yeah, yeah. And then it happened. We'll like see. it happened. Like didn't it happen? Like half an hour later or something like that. Yeah. As soon as they left the building, they pushed Sent on that uh, on that uh, on that release. But it yeah. was it was it was done because that game they he cost them that game too. I mean. Oh man, and that Florida game was huge. That uh, that at home where they played so well, and then it all went to hell in the third period. Uh, it's just those are gut punch losses. Um, and then Campbell comes in and and does what he does. So it changed every, it changed the the complexion a lot. During this break, I've been thinking about the season a lot, and I've been watching some of the highlights and whatever. And like one of the things that kept coming back to me is all these games where that happened, and just thinking about this team a little bit differently if they didn't have. Like that, that was kind of an Achilles heel for them that if they would have made a different decision at that position, how much different things could have been, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like that maybe if the rest of the season played out the last 12 games and Jack Campbell was really good and their record ended up being really strong, maybe we're talking about all of this stuff a little bit differently. Well, how do you guys feel about Jack Campbell playing 25 games, 30 games next year? I feel like that should happen for sure. I feel really good about it based on what I've seen, based on what I've heard. I think he's perfectly suited as the backup goalie, the energy he brings, um, the accountability he takes. Um, 
he, I, I think he's he's really well suited um, uh, for for this situation, and I would expect him to take on a, a bigger load. And I'd be eager to see how Frederick Anderson would respond to that. And and, and I think it it could be a really good fit, really good. I think he takes too much accountability. Yes, <laughs> which is better than taking too little. What was it? The game in San Jose. I think he came out and said it was his fault or something like that. And it's like the game in Anaheim. He lost two one. He's like, what do you what, like? He's gonna come out and say I should have scored a couple of goals or something. Like, what was he mad at? He was mad at the the the, the, the giveaway Matthews uh, to the middle of the ice. He's like, that's just a shot. I should save it. It's two one game against one of the worst teams in the league, and he he was really good in that game. But I like it. He wants it. He you know he demands a lot from himself. And as a result, the teammate the teammates know that they've mentioned it. They're I forget the day after the loss in San Jose, someone's like, you know, Campbell's already, you know, he's still taking it on himself, even though he played well and then we left him out to dry. I think that makes the players want to play harder for him as well because they know how much he's invested in, and he just got there. So it was, I, I think it's a really uh, one of the things that makes him such an endearing guy. I never thought we'd have a have a nicer player or a nicer goalie on the team than James Reimer, but now all of a sudden we've got uh, there's a contender. I think that's a new story one of us should do, James, the, the nice player rankings. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> we got that's lots of time. Idea. That's a good idea. And then can we do the, na- the, like nasty, the nasty player rankings not too? Not so nice rankings. <laughs> In my mind, I'm already clicking on it. Yeah, we should do that. We talk about our experiences with all these guys. and Well, the nice one would be easy. The nice one would be easy to do. The story yeah. about the players that block me on Twitter and <laughs> give me the stink eye in the dressing room. Those would be harder to do. All right. Let's move on to to my uh, first choice um, in the interesting Leafs of the 2019-20 season. Uh, I went with Morgan Riley. Uh, I think he's had a obviously a fascinating year. Um, playing through injury, then getting hurt, breaking his foot, missing two months. The challenges I thought he had with a different partner, a partner who was not, I think it was like, I think it's fair to say the opposite of Ron Hainsey in Cody Cece. And then he played with Tyson Berry. I don't think that especially worked. I'm kind of interested to see what he would look like if the season came back, knowing that he'd probably be at full strength. Um, Like that's one of the things that like you, James, and like you, Mark, like I've been thinking a lot about the year. They really never had their full team. Uh, and obviously Riley is such an important part of that. And the fact that he was never a hundred percent or close to a hundred percent himself obviously had a massive impact on their year. Like if I was Mike Babcock, that would be one of the things that would bother me is I never had, not only was there all this change around the roster, one of my best players was hurt the whole time. Yeah. I didn't have a defenseman on my list, which felt weird because defense is such a key thing for this team and an area that they need to grow in and, and Riley, it, it was such a weird season because he, he missed so much time near the end of it. He looked really amazing in that game against Tampa. If he was going to play like that the rest of the way, I think the Leafs were feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, and we never saw him healthy until that game, and he was excellent. So I think who does he play with next season, and what role do they put him in? And Because uh, it feels like Muzzin's going to take the tough matchups. And I think he's due for a big, big year next season. And a big uh, resumption if, if we ever get back to that point, perhaps. But, um, yeah, it was hard to get a read on him. And, and it had the trickle-down effect, too, of the whole roster. Of like, felt like everyone was somewhat out of position. And even Keith mentioned that it felt like guys were wearing down a bit on defense near the end of uh, 
the season because of all the injuries they had. And um, yeah, it's hard to get a read on, on Riley this year. There's some speculation that he was hurt in preseason in that game against Ottawa where he took a, I mean, there was some, some sort of, I don't know if it was his lower back or some sort of core problem that he was having that just was affecting his mobility. And everyone knows that one of Morgan Riley's biggest strengths is kind of his speed and agility and accelerate. His skating is just, you know, amazing. And if he has, you know, only 80 or 90% of that, that's going to hold him back. And I think that that's what happened in the first half of the season. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like you mentioned that, James, he just didn't have like what defined the year before was like he was always jumping into the play. He was explosive and he just didn't have any explosion. And like given how much he relies on his legs, if he can't move right. And it was interesting, like just watching him walk around like in the dressing room, he yeah. looked like an old man. Like he yeah. looked like there's no way this guy should be playing. Um, and to Mark's point, like you you look ahead their big thing of the offseason, whenever the hell the offseason will be, is how do they find someone who can play with him and help him and not be a liability? Because, like, clearly that's what happened with Cody CC, especially when they were asking them to play uh, against top lines. Maybe we're in the offseason right now. Yeah. <laughs> can you make a trade? I guess the trade deadline passed, so no. You can make trades after the trade deadline. Those players just can't partake in the playoffs. So if if you're a bold GM and think there's going to be no playoffs, you can make a trade right now. It also felt like Riley was a big part of the team's identity. Like he was a driving force of, I don't know if you want to call it the swagger or the confidence that seemed to be like they, when they would go away in games really easy this year. You wonder if, if Riley is an alternate captain as a guy like you, you know, James, you, you remember what Austin Matthews said after that Tampa game about how they desperately missed him. And yeah. he's such a popular guy. And uh, he has so much, despite being in that kind of somewhat similar age group as those younger guys, he's got so much experience. And it felt like they missed that. Even when he was playing and he wasn't himself, it felt like they missed kind of that presence of this guy who just could go and um, had a fearlessness almost about him. So. They, I, if he's healthy and he's 100%, he's a game changer for them. Well, one of the, I think, more, I would say, I don't know if I want to say new, but I think it really came to the forefront this year, storylines about Morgan Riley was just how, I don't know, like how integral he is to that dressing room. And and like, I, I don't remember in previous years anyone talking about how close he and Austin Matthews were or how close, like it's almost like he's got friend groups with everyone on the team. And he's like, he's like one of those, it's a cliche, but they call him one of those glue guys in the dressing room. And it's, it it almost transcends, like, it doesn't matter about age. It doesn't matter about, you know, what position you play or anything. Like he's really close with Frederick Anderson. He's really close with Matthews. He's really close with most of the guys on the team. And uh, I think that that side of the importance of Morgan Riley has, has become much more apparent this year than it was in previous years. Well, and he's like, to your point, James, sorry, Mark, like he's the, he's the longest serving leaf. Like he's been around the longest and like he had, when he came in, he was like, what was he? 19, 20. Um, he had Dion Phaneuf kind of like show him the ropes and like take him under his wing. And I think he grew into that kind of person for the organization where he kind of felt that responsibility. Even a guy like, uh, like John Cooper, who, who coached him on the team North America at the world cup in 2016. So he, he had, you know, he had a limited interaction with him. His quote the last game day for the lease before the pause, he says, 
I'm a big Morgan Riley fan. I'm not going to lie. He was kind of just that guy that did everything right for you. I like his game. I like his vision. I really like his compete. I think he's an intangible defenseman that can do everything for you. And not only what he brings on the ice, he's a guy you want to have in the locker room. That's what I liked about him. And to me, that that really summed it up from a guy who had a limited exposure to Riley, and he could see it right away. Well, and what I sorry, one thing I would add, James, is like that's when when he decided to like keep playing through injury, like some of the natural response was like, should he have been playing? And I just thought thought of it like if it was us in our situation, like we would want to try to show up and be there even if we weren't feeling great. And I think that's part of all this conversation that we're having is like he felt the responsibility to the team given his role, given how many minutes, given his place within the organization to try to play through it. No, sorry, James, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it sounds like lunchtime at Mark's house. I was just wondering what's for lunch. <laughs> what's for lunch, Robin? <laughs> they, they heard some activity in the background. Yeah, I can hear I can hear someone. She's prepping my salad. Oh, <laughs> She takes wow. very good care of me here. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, let's speed this along, guys. You, you married right, well, well? You married well, Mark. You can't leave her in so. coach anymore you, if she's making your food all the time. Yes, she keeps me very well fed. She's the best. She is the best. I'm very lucky. All right, so Mark, First your next life. person on the list. Your 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 go ahead. Jeez, oh man, I felt like I was such a cliche with this list. Uh, I didn't mix it up like uh, James did. But number two for me was Mitch Marner. Um, interesting in the sense that his numbers look good, but I don't think any of us really felt like he was quite at the level he can be at. If that makes sense at least for a sustained period of the season. I also felt his interactions were kind of interesting. It felt like the chip was on the shoulder as it always is. And I don't know, it just like he'd make some comments about social media and the doubters. And I really feel like the contract dispute and, or the negotiations or whatever had an impact on his psyche. He would make comments like the fan base or, you know, the market can turn on you quickly. And um, I just found him to be a very interesting character this season because I think, you know, he did have his moments but I just I we didn't quite see the unbridled enthusiasm I guess that that sometimes that I've really enjoyed when when watching him and he did have an injury uh, in the middle of the year and he didn't play with his you know usual line that line never really got going this year with Tavares and Hyman so I just found him to be a an interesting character this season. Yeah, well, the first three years, Mitch Marner was like this kind of happy-go-lucky, bright light, the young kid, you know, being silly and singing songs and dancing in the dressing room and all kinds of, and then it's almost like the, yeah, like the reality of like the business side of things and the criticism that I'm sure wasn't easy to take um, through the summer and into, into early September that, that, I don't know, maybe that's part of his maturation process is that things get more complicated as you get older and as, as money becomes a bigger factor and, you know, you, you guys remember that first season when Matthews and Marner showed up and it they had seven rookies on the team. There was no expectations. And, you know, Matthews scores 40 goals and they have the outdoor game. And there's, a, you know, it, that year just felt like everything was so, everything was a gift, right? Everything was easy. Every storyline was positive. Uh, they made the playoffs when it wasn't expected. Um, and then this year, you, like it's it's such a difference, you know. You go three and a half years later, and I think Mitch Marner probably is emblematic of that more than anybody on the team, just in the burden of expectations. And you know, as as those guys get those big contracts, you got to cut from other areas of the roster, and that that just means they've got to get better and better and better, and 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 be 
some of the best players in the league every night. And that's, that's a lot. That's a big burden playing in Toronto. Yeah. And I, and I think Mark's right. Like I think the contract thing in James, I guess you're alluding to it as well. I think it really had an effect on him. It really seemed to change the way he looked at things. He, there was like a bitterness about him that wasn't there before. And you could understand he's 22. He's, his family's getting criticized. He's getting criticized. Um, social media adds a layer to that that didn't exist 10 years ago. And it, it really, I guess it did exist 10 years ago, but not to this degree. But it really seemed to change his view of things. And there wasn't that joyfulness. And you kind of hope that, that he gets to a point where he's a little older, he's a little more mature. And he understands like this situation for him is awesome. He's a star on his hometown team. His parents get to come to every game. People love him. Kids love him. He's making a lot of money. Like life is good. Like you're playing for a great team. You're a great player. I I feel like maybe when you get a little bit older, you can kind of step back and realize, okay, like, like you guys were saying, that's just part of the business. And like fans can, can be over the top, but fans also like love you and adore you. And this is like, this is good. Like that's kind of, if I was having like a heart to heart conversation with him, that's what I would tell him. Like, dude, like you, you should be thrilled like there is no better situation for a player in hockey than what you've got well and like the idea of like haters and doubters and all that stuff i mean i think as i mean for the most part i think that stuff's all gone like he's he's proven he's one of the best players in the league and one of the best players on this team and how important he is and Mm -hmm. all of those things and you know whether we want to argue if he's overpaid by a million or two or three or whatever He's still an, a, a very good player. And as you're saying, in a very good situation. And I don't know. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if if there are no more games this year or if we get the playoffs, if if some of that baggage kind of is is relieved a little bit and, and he can move on from that. I found the uh, post game in, An- in Anaheim really interesting because he took that, that kind of selfish penalty and he said, that's not going to happen again. That's not me. Um and then he's taught, and then his like advice to his teammates was, you know, stay off social media. I, I just, I, he just felt like yeah. uh, he wasn't himself, right? And then he was admitting that he's like, he took a penalty that he normally would. He said, I can't do that anymore. That's not me. That's not the guy I am. And um, it just felt like there was some of those moments this year where he was just not himself. Well, and it's a different thing, like James is alluding to, when you're like the guy, like you look in his first couple years. He was a kid, like he was 19, 20, and there were like, there were older players like Tyler Bozak, James Van Riemsdyk, those guys were around and they were very central figures in the, in the dressing room. And then this year, suddenly we don't look at you rightly or wrongly as a kid anymore. We look at you as, as one of the higher paid players in the league. Um, expectations are for the, the team to be really good. And so people put more on you. And I think you feel more of responsibility to not be afraid to say things, to to not be afraid to be vocal and prominent. Like it's kind of your team now, if that makes sense. Like I think this is the first year that it, those guys felt like it was theirs. Like this was their group. Kadri was gone. Gardner was gone. Bozak was gone. Van Riemsdyk was gone. This group, this team belonged to like that young core. Maybe it's going to take them some time, Jonas, to kind of settle into that being the case. You know, maybe... Yeah, good point. Maybe there's... You know, it's interesting. I remember in training camp writing that 
they were only going to have like something like 10 returning or 11 returning players from last year. That's a lot of turnover and that's a lot of change to the leadership group. And, you know, and uh, we know all the turmoil that was happening early in the season between Babcock and Matthews and, and the Marner contract situation and Riley's hurt and the backup goalie situation. And I, I could probably keep going on and on. And that's only like the first, what, month of the season, including training camp. Like that's that's a lot of stuff, a lot of crap in a market mm-hmm. that kind of loves crap um, to, to blow <laughs> it up. That we do. <laughs> uh, no more than me. Uh, remember the I'm Marner pe- Babcock I'm... story came out? That was another oh, yes. distraction. Jeez, so like there's well, a lot that... of stuff for him this yeah. year. Yeah. Normally you fire the coach and it's like, okay, there's a bunch of stories for a couple of days and then it dies down. But that one just like, it was just like a tire fire that they kept throwing more tires on that just kept getting bigger and bigger. Right. And he was injured at the time. So he could, I don't think he was even playing. So it's not like he had that as a distraction. He was just going to the rink rehabbing and everyone was talking about Babcock doing this list. And there's just a lot. I can only imagine the magnitude of the pressure the young guys felt. And they're still so young, even though it feels like they've been around for a while and they have, but just felt like it weighed on him a bit this year. And uh, I, I think he, he'll he'll be better for it, ultimately. Hopefully he'll learn from it and, and be able to tune things out maybe a bit better. And if he if this is him on a, on a somewhat off year, I, you know, that's not exactly a bad thing either. Mm-hmm. Totally. All right, James, you're up. Good, good choice, Mark. All right, here we go. I picked Alex Kerfoot. That's oh, who I'm nice. going with. That's who I'm going with. And I think that... There's there's some debate I've seen in the fan base and from some of the analytics folks over whether he actually has had a poor season or not, or whether he's been fine. Or And I've seen some comparisons of the numbers between what Kadri's done in Colorado this year and what Kerfoot's done in Toronto, and people pointing out that he's younger, his contract is less than Kadri and extends further than Kadri, and that he's actually had a better season than him. So that's why I picked him as an interesting player, just because... He doesn't get talked about a whole lot, really. Um, mm-hmm. And the third line center spot, something that we've talked about already on this podcast as potentially being a problem spot. And uh, Bob McKenzie mentioned his name before the trade deadline as someone who could potentially be on the block as one of the forwards the Leafs could trade. There's, um, I don't know, like, do you guys see him as part of the future with the Leafs? Do you think he can can own that third line center role? Is he better as a winger? Uh, what what do we make of Alex Kerfoot? I got higher and higher on him as the year went along. Like yeah. I thought it was really tough for him at the start. Um, I'm still not sure to your point, James, where he plays, and that complicates things. Um, but he kind of I don't know. He grew on me. He's really smart. Uh, I like the way he fit with Tavares and Neander. Um, he's as Mike Babcock liked to say, he's, he's kind of greasy. Like, he's not scared. Uh, I liked when they used him on the penalty kill. It, it kind of felt like the start, uh, a little bit like Tyson Berry. Guy comes over from a new organization. We forget that he's very young in the league. Like, this is only his third NHL season. Mm-hmm. He's not that young, per se. Like, I think he's 25. Uh, but he's still figuring it out. And I had a long conversation, actually, with him the day before we stopped talking to players just about the challenge of coming to a new team. And one of the things like he was explaining to me, and it was a good reminder for me, just as someone who covers the team, is how much trouble or a challenge he found he's found it growing up in the league of not getting in his head so much. I think we take that for granted. 
Um, it was the same thing with Frederick Anderson. Um, anyway, that, that that's a rambling answer in that I'm very intrigued with him. I'm not sure I'd move him yet just because I don't know what he is. Well, and he's versatile, which is important. Uh, it felt like the third line was at its best when he was in the middle there. I know he didn't produce so much down the stretch. Um, but it did, it just, for me, it did feel like the third line was, was really clicking when, when he was there, his speed alongside Kapanen's, uh, I, I just, there, he is a compelling figure and you're right. You would, I think you need to see more before you cut bait with him. And, um, the problem was they needed to play him higher up in the lineup because all of a sudden their winger death was starting to get exposed, which was surprising. There's been a lot of talk of that Kadri trade being a mistake or they didn't get what they needed just because of the way Tyson Berry's season's gone and the fact that they're not going to be able to keep him. And But if if I think if, if, as you guys are saying, they give Kerfoot another chance next year and he can continue to take steps, maybe that's not the case. Maybe we don't look at it that way and maybe Kadri is slowing down. And I don't know, it's interesting that we all try and evaluate these trades really quickly first when they happen and then 40 games in and then you know over and over and over again but you know the evolution of the of that trade and and of of the players involved maybe it's not over yet that's another one of the things i've been thinking about over this break i think that's true to a degree but the problem with that james is is they got tyson berry for one year and so that 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 is a, that was a big part of the trade obviously kerfoot's a big part of the trade like you are replacing kadri with a younger version but for a team that is trying to win a cup now to downgrade at center and then not get a defenseman who solved your issue. But there's people that arguing problem. that they didn't downgrade though and that that Kerfoot's having a better year than Kadri and like Yeah, but I don't you can look at some of the numbers and and Kadri's underlying numbers have certainly dropped off. Like some of the possession numbers are not great. The shooting percentage is really high this year, I believe, which helps some of his production. But you can't tell me if you were going into the playoffs and you had the choice between having Kadri or Kerfoot, you're not choosing Kadri 100 times out of 100. Yeah, well, Kadri's, Kadri's had some playoff issues. That Well, uh, there's that. That's a fair <laughs> What do you counter. mean? <laughs> By standing up for his teammates, of, James? I don't know if you heard about this, Jonas, but the Kadri in the playoffs is a little bit of a, an issue. <laughs> it's a, hot, it's a sore spot for chance. some reason. <laughs> Third time he had term. he um, had his another chance he had his another chance all the Bruins media in game one before game one of that series was going up to Kadri and being like oh so you've learned from your mistake and you're not going to do it again I, mean, I remember it was Jack Edwards was was had this whole long conversation with Kadri about how he wasn't going to do it again and then he went and did it that I think he did it that night maybe it was before game two anyway he's like I'm good guy. don't worry I got this yeah um, here's what I want. I just wanted to say on, on Kadri's numbers, maybe he's going through a little bit of what Kerfoot was going through and what new, new players go through. Yes. I mean, he was a lifetime leaf. It had to be shocking to his system to, to, to change teams. And I'm sure he's still figuring it out in Colorado, Colorado had a bunch of injuries and he had an injury. So, and then just on a team wide skill, maybe this doesn't get picked up in the numbers, but I get your thoughts on it. So one of the issues that, you know, Keith alluded to and, I thought I think it was pretty obvious is they would have off nights and they would just be really bad and they couldn't could not seem to win when they didn't have their their A game and Kadri maybe is a guy who would have helped you know light a fire or drag guys in or get people involved on those nights when the team just seemed a bit a bit lost and that's not to say that you know Kerfoot won't won't uh, emerge into an energy guy over the coming years it just felt like they missed that element to a degree this year. Well, and I think when Tavares was hurt early in the season that having Kadri would have been a, made a big yep. difference. I mean, it was only seven games, but it was a 
time of the season where there was a lot of turmoil and not having Tavares showed how thin they were at center. And it, if they're not willing to put Nylander there, then they don't really have a lot of options if they need to move guys up in the lineup. And so that's that's another thing they're going to have to look at in the offseason. I think the better choice might have been just to wait. I'm sure that they were really, they really felt like they had to upgrade the defense and they were probably not happy with Kadri. He was approaching 30. I don't know how physically you or I or they feel like he's going to age, but maybe the better choice would have been just to wait. Mark, were you on that trip in, in Denver when the, the game they played against Kadri? Yes, I was. Yeah. Yeah, so like you saw, like had the kind of the emotion Kadri still had, and that, that when was that? That was like I want to say December, but I think maybe it was was it November? Late November, mid-November. Right when there. the coaching change happened. Right, right. So he Kadri had been there for months, and he was still like, yeah, not not being a Leaf was still very, very. You could tell it was really weighing on him a lot, and people in that organization say that. I don't know about right now, but I remember when we were there, like there was lots of talk that Kadri just hadn't really settled in yet and hadn't wasn't comfortable not being a Leaf anymore, which he had been since draft day. Right, and Kadri's value to Colorado, as Jonas alluded to, might have come out more in the playoffs uh, if if he could, uh, you know, learn his lessons, which is still to be seen. But um, well, I'll be interested to see what he does next season in Colorado. Just he'll be more settled, Kerfoot as well. But as Jonas pointed out too. Um, not to, to beat the drums for my, my trivia teammate too much, but you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, they had Barry for the one year and it just didn't really work out in terms of, I, I don't they, he needed, they needed to change the dynamic of the back end, and it just did not seem to work out that way. All right. Now for, I guess it'll be the, the last guy because we've, I think we've had good conversations. I've enjoyed this. Um, well, we got lots of time, Jonas. I only got, that's only my second guy. Okay, so we can each do uh, one more after this. You got more time, um, Mark, or are we cutting into your lunch here? Yeah, I can go. I mean, I, I got to prep for for my big uh, my big Jeannie Bouchard interview, but uh, all right, uh, I, okay. I got some time we won't here. keep you too long. We won't okay. keep you too long. What do we okay, could do? So lightning. My... We could do lightning round, Jonas, and burn through the. Okay, last after few. this guy, we can go. We can go a little faster. Um, my next guy was Andreas Janssen. I think he. And Kasperi Kapanen had very interesting years for different reasons. Obviously, he was signed to the new four-year contract in the summer. Injuries were a big part of his year, but it, it just never felt like he totally found a, a good place to play. It never felt like he totally had it going at any point for a long stretch. He didn't look like the guy we saw in the second half last year. Um I don't know what that was. I don't know if that was getting hurt, missing time, a lot of time, getting hurt again, and then obviously being done for the year. But it's a big disappointment for them that that he wasn't able to be, I guess, the piece that they thought he could be. The question for me with Andres Janssen is how much of it was the injury and, and, and to what extent did that limit what he could do? I was really high on him the year before, and I really thought he was a great complimentary piece um, on a team that has obviously a lot of strength down the middle up in the top two lines that he could be a guy that would, would complement those players really, really well. And a good utility player that could play on your first, second, third line can play both special teams can do a lot of different things. And it was, I mean, frankly, I, it was kind of like a lost season for Andreas Janssen. Like we never really saw, yeah. I'm having a hard time think of thinking of him having like an impact game or impact moments in the season that 
I don't know for whatever reason it just he just wasn't I don't think the same player that he was the year before. I think the injuries are definitely part of it, and you do wonder if that is going to be a recurring theme for him in his career. I actually thought, and I for, I guess we tend to put Janssen and Kapanen together a lot um, for, for a number of reasons, but I felt Kapanen was was more interesting. Um, yeah. Just because yeah, we, we, got, we got more of a look from him. He, okay, so he starts on the left side uh, in the top six, and that is not good. And then it just it felt like he was going through something this year. And obviously he got scratched for accountability near the end of the – of the before the season got paused and then he started fighting everybody and seemed to be find find himself a little bit and I just don't I, I mean but the b- before the start of the season I was like I'm interested to see Captain and higher in the lineup and can he can he be that versatile guy and it just hasn't worked out well and to the point where Sheldon Keith admitted the reason why they held off on promoting him despite some of the injury issues and it just seemed like they were always looking for someone to to fill that spot after Janssen got got hurt and McKeev was out and they held off on it purposely because they knew how badly it went for Kapanen. It feels like he puts a lot on himself and and if it doesn't go well, he you know he lets it get to him. I, I don't know. I still don't know what to make of this season for him. And um, people talk about trading him. I don't know if his values <laughs> as high as it, it is right now. If you'd be selling selling low, it it just I don't know. It just it, I found his season very interesting. I almost put him on my list, but. Um, I, I just didn't, but uh, I found him more interesting almost than Janssen. Well, I went into the year preferring Janssen to Kapanen if you're choosing between the two. And I came out of it feeling differently, feeling the opposite. Some of that's because Kapanen's younger. Um, I think Kapanen brings a different skill set, obviously, than Janssen. But like James, like to your point about the injuries, and Mark, you made it as well. If you look at the first 29 games, that's right up until he broke his ankle. Uh, he had 16 points, six goals. That's about 17 goals, 45 points. That might be what he is. Like that, yeah. that it's conceivable that's that's who he is. That's fine. It's just not the the guy we thought they may have had last year when some of the shooting percentage numbers were a bit high. Like maybe maybe he's just a 17 to 20 goal, 40 to 50 point kind of player, and and maybe that's okay. That's that's probably about right. I mean, to to Mark's point, he was talking about the potential idea of having to make a trade. If if what's happening right now with the shutdown is going to necessitate the salary cap doesn't go up at all, I don't see any way how the Leafs don't trade some salary out. And you look yeah. at and like they're not going to trade Matthews, Marner, Nylander. They're not going to trade like how many contracts do they have where guys are making more than two and a half million dollars? Are guys that they could potentially trade? There's not very many options. Mm-hmm. So it's going to come down to one of those, I don't want to call them depth forwards, but one of like the secondary group of forwards. It's going to come down to, so I, I think Janssen's on that list, Kapanen's on that list, Kerfoot, I guess, potentially could be on that list. It's a pretty small list. They're going to have to move somebody. You know, if you're going to re-sign, you know, Dermot, if you're going to try and bring back uh, Ilya Mikheyev, um, someone else is going to have to go. And it's probably, I, I think Andres Janssen's probably potentially at the top of that list. That's who uh, would be at the top the, of my list, too. I don't agree. See, the problem I have with that is, number one, he's coming off a very meh year. He just had major knee surgery that's going to knock him out six months. Obviously, he'll be ready for the start of next year. But if he's 20, what is he? What do I got here? Is he 25? 20, 25. So he'll be 26 going into next year. No, sorry. He's, he's 25. Got, yeah, he, yeah, you're right. 26, 26 in November. Yeah. He's 26 in November. You're right. 
So if if I'm looking at that and I'm another team, he's not the most interesting player on the the Leafs. If I'm trying to trade for a forward, it's Kapanen. Like he's under control when his contract ends. He's younger. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's really fast. Like he has. Janssen isn't exceptional. I don't think at anything. Whereas Kapanen has like one skill set that is elite, and that's obviously his speed. You can critique some of the other stuff. But the, the, the package of youth, speed, size, he can score a bit. He's under team control. To me, he's way more alluring than, than Janssen and, and obviously Kerfoot. But that's why you'd, you'd want to keep Kapanen, right? I mean, I'm not saying you're going to get a lot back from Janssen. But, but then what's the point in trading him? Like you're, tra- well, if you're trading you one of these guys. Salary. They got to no, move you need, salary you also need to, They have to. But you also need to improve the team. Maybe. But maybe you feel that improving the team is keeping Kapanen and just moving maybe. salary and spending that in free agency mm-hmm. on a defenseman, which I think yeah. potentially could be the route that they go. And if the cap's 81 and a half or 82 or whatever next year, like I just don't see any way that uh, it gets really tight when you start working in plausible extensions for Dermot and Mikheyev to do anything. I mean, they could be even tighter against the cap next year than they were this year. Yeah, it's going to be a tough move. And uh, none of those guys we mentioned are having lights out seasons, obviously. So it's not like you're selling high on any of them. But uh, yeah, it's a tough spot. It's the reality of the business. And you know, you know, Captain and I like him on the PK. Jonas, you mentioned his speed, um, and he's. I think that there's more there. So and he's younger. So yeah, I, I wouldn't trade Captain if you can find a way to to get Janssen, get something back. I think that's that's probably the move. To Jonas's point, other teams love Kapanen. Like, right. And I, I haven't heard any other team say, oh, I'm really excited about Andreas Janssen. Like, mm. so, what some other teams think of Janssen is that he's a product of playing with really good players. He's a product of, of being on a line with Matthews or Tavares a lot of the time, and that's why he has a production that he does. And But Kapanen, just like the raw tools, a, a lot of teams think that you put him with a star player that all of a sudden he's producing at a different level than he has in Toronto. And the funny thing is that hasn't worked in Toronto. Yeah, I know. But uh, that's what other teams think, though. Like They just right, look at the package right. and they think this is going to work. And I think the Leafs thought that this is going to work, too, and it just hasn't. And part of it is that Kapanen's vision when he has the puck, he has a hard time finding those guys with the puck. And that does limit his value somewhat. Like, the fact that you can't really yet, like, again, like, he's he's still young. But to this point, he hasn't been able to play on effectively on one of their top two lines. But the only question I have to what you guys are, are saying, you wouldn't be inclined to try to move Kapanen to get that piece on defense. Like, I don't know how it makes sense to just dump one of these guys for futures and then go and sign someone in free agency. Like, I'd rather, I don't know. I don't know how that puts you further off ahead. It just depends what what's available. Like, I mean, right. what if you trade one of those guys and you get like, a great young player who's going to make an impact for you a year or two down the road. And then you can still get the defenseman that you want in free agency and you don't have to give up anything. I mean, it's then you're adding two assets, right? Like you're not just trading a forward for a defenseman, you're trading a forward for a piece. And then you're also getting the defenseman you wanted. Right. So that's why it makes sense because you get, you get two things as opposed to, I'm sure they're going to look at, at everything, but there's some interesting names on defense and free agency. It's just a matter of how high the price tag goes and how much cap space the Leafs have. And we're going to have lots of time to get into all this stuff. If the off season runs until, <laughs> until I don't know next year. I don't know. Thanks. 
I was I was actually thinking, Jonas. I mean, I think this has been so good, and we've been so thorough, and we've only done six players. I wonder if what we should do is have Mark back at some point down the road and do this again with six more players. Sure. If Mark would be game for that, Mark, are you up for that? I think I can find room in my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell Jeannie. Right, so- tell Jeannie you've got another commitment. You know, right. tell tell Raonich you've you've got uh, you you got to make time for us. All right. Okay, so you want to leave it there, and we'll save our. I think our that next makes sense. Players, I, I think okay. that makes yeah. sense, and we'll see. I, you know, I th- I think this was really good. I think this was excellent. It's, you're not going to get a more thorough podcast about members of the Leafs. So, <laughs> you know, if we just cross those six players off, and then that leaves you know a lot more roster left to be uh, to be talked about in the other podcasts. Some okay. big names still well, on the list, guys. Still some big names on the board. Okay. Well, before we wrap, uh, both of you, I want like a recommendation for. Uh, everybody listening, whether it's a book, whether it's like a magazine article, an athletic article, a movie, a TV show, something you've ingested in the last little bit that was interesting to you. Hmm. All right. So uh, I'll go first, I guess. I, I Well, I watched <laughs> Tiger King, which I guess everyone is uh, kind of indulging in. So I won't, I won't make that my – I watched Succession uh, on your uh, recommendation, Jonas. Um, and it was very good very good robin says she recommended it two years ago but uh (laughs) she always gets mad because i listen to jonas uh but uh i did on jonas's recommendation watch succession and i thought it was quite good it's so funny to go actually between succession and tiger king which are two shows i watched watched back to back because you couldn't get more different from like the high stakes world of finance and and media and then going to like uh you know big cat uh, zoos and Betting and it was uh, crazy on both sides. So I like both of those. I'm trying to get into the leftovers right now because it got such great reviews. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's a little, it's a bit of a downer, <laughs> uh, especially with what we're going through right now in the world. But uh, but it, I like shows that make you think, and so I'm, I'm getting into that now a little bit. So that's uh, I watched The Irishman that took up a week, which was good, and uh, uh, you can break that up into, ch- into chunks. So those are the things that I've been watching. They're all they're all really good and. Uh, looking forward to seeing what the leftovers can bring apparently the the finale once i get to it which will take a while uh it's three seasons so i'm just in the start of the first is is amazing so um i'm i'm looking forward to to seeing the payoff eventually because it's a great uh it's a great idea if people don't know it's kind of the premise is you know two percent of the world just disappears uh, (laughs) randomly and everyone's kind of searching for meaning uh of that and, and in their lives so it's uh it's deep. It's not the upbeat. It's not the office, which I like, but uh, but I, that's what I'm getting into right now. Have you guys heard of the show Curb Your Enthusiasm? Because I've been I've, I've been <laughs> Is that watching that Larry that. David guy. Yeah, yeah. I started at season one. So the other thing that, to your point, Mark, trying to find something that's like more of a diversion and less heavy and. My wife and I were watching uh, Shit's Creek, which I know got lots of good review- it's reviews and. Yeah, okay. So, like, I didn't know if that's, like, considered, like, I don't know. <laughs> it's been, it's awesome. It's been... That show is so good. So, I had never seen it, and it's on Netflix, and my wife and I were just like, let's just, like, watch something funny. And, like, Eugene Levy is so good. Like, it's just amazing how... Um... Anyway, yeah, so that's that's what I've been watching. And the other thing I've been spending a lot of time on, and Jonas and I have talked about this on the podcast, is I am I am fully invested in the world of Chell, which is NHL 20 <laughs> online. And now I have I have my character and like I'm like a level 26 now and I'm like a stay at home defenseman 
and I play <laughs> in like I play in an, on an online competitive online team and I'm logging on every night and we play against these other competitive teams and you have your guy and you get better and you get more skill points and you get like these more like you add like these different uh, like my guy's really good at stick checking. So teams have like a hard time getting getting over the the, the defensive blue line against me because I'm always and I'm this big, big, tall guy that gets in the way. A Martin Marincin uh, type. Yeah, and I'm really, I'm really good at, at uh, unlike Marincin, I'm really good at the outlet pass. So ah. the other, the other guys on the team love it that I, I, I'm always play defense because it's hard to find someone that that is willing to play defense and willing to stay back. Uh, most people like to score goals and attack. Um, so that's what I've been like. Honestly, that's been eating. Other than working, that's been eating a lot of my free time because I'm part of this team and we're playing like all these games and it it's pretty easy to pour hours in into the thing. So. Um, yeah, I like. So wait a second. I, so James, so your like your teammate could be like a guy in Keswick or a woman. No, no, no. no. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I was oh, talking wow. to one of the one of the guys. On my my team, there's like seven or eight of us. Um, one of them is Ian Tullock, who's uh, a, a great young freelancer for us at the Athletic. One of them is Steve Dangle, is on my team, and then oh. the other guys, I don't know who they are. There's a couple of them from Twitter. I was talking to one of the guys, uh, our goalie. I was talking to him last night, and he's a young guy. Um, going to university in in winnipeg and he's he's been he's been an excellent goalie for us so but yeah so it's like this collection there's a couple of us in the media but then it's just like a couple people who i don't know who they are uh i'm by far the oldest person on the team it's a lot of really young guys that are like have a lot of time on their hands um but it's 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 been really fun it's been i i haven't been a part of this like kind of online gaming community since like i i used to do in college like 15 20 years ago i used to do it i used to play like starcraft and diablo and some of that stuff but getting back into it now i never would have done this uh, if it wouldn't have been for the shutdown now i'm like heavily invested in nhl 20 and it's it's amazing how elaborate the the whole thing is like it's just it's incredible you get to pick everything like i was like changing the visor and the tint on the visor and stuff and like what skates my guy was wearing and i have like shot blockers on my skates because i block a lot of shots and i like like it's just crazy i was changing the color of my stick tape and like you you're, you're always fiddling with like your different like attributes and like it's it's crazy and and i've been watching like videos on youtube but like how to get better at like using like my my stick to like check and stuff like that and it's just wow. like it it it's insanely elaborate and i can't believe how good people are at this game like i yeah so i'm just trying to be a role player and like fall into this very specific defensive defenseman kind of situation <laughs> but I, we had, I like we that had, that's the path you chose <laughs> i always i you know when i was braden uh, coburn over here when I was young and I watched like uh, a lot of junior hockey and went to all the Canvas Blazers games, uh, those were the players I always loved. Like I loved, you know, Robin Regeer was one of my favorite Blazers. Oh, those those choice. those guys, Jason Strudwick was a really good. I always liked those kind of like tough, solid defensive defenseman type of guys. That was always what I gravitated towards. And when I play the video games, like I'm 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 much better at that kind of player than I am at like a, I don't know. I just you have you have more time kind of. And, and it's mm -hmm. more about making the right play and being in the right position. Position, like, is way more important than, like, I can't do, you should see the deeks and stuff they can do, Jonas. They, like, guys are, like, jumping in the air and, like, shooting the puck off their skates. And then, like, like the stuff oh. that they can do in the games is, like, I can't do any of that. So it doesn't make any sense for me to try and be, like, you know, a high-scoring winger or something. Like, it's, I'm better off just passing it to one of the other guys that could make that happen. I That's just awesome. like hearing James refer to it as Chell. 
Well, that's what it's called. All right. In the, it's called the world of Chell in the right. video game. Like, and you have to pay a monthly fee to do it. Like, you, you, and this is like, it's like 12 bucks a month or something just to um, be a part of the online community. And I don't, I think we're playing in the playoffs or something tonight or tomorrow or like it's big game. There's lots Jeez. going on here. Yeah. And it's all, right. all the all the young guys are are shocked that I'm so good given I haven't played in like I haven't played an online <laughs> hockey game in like ten years. They're like Myrtle, why are you so good at this? So Natural talent calling. All right, I'll conclude with um, I watched or rewatched all the Godfather movies. I had never seen three actually. I saw one and two when I was younger. Three is awful. I was so <laughs> disappointed with three. Well, it was like almost were. unwatchable. It was almost unwatchable. Like I almost had to turn it off. I thought it was uh, but okay. one and two are just insanely good. My recollection that three is just okay, and the other it's, two are like was, unbelievable. I could not take it. Two there was no a, Tom Hagen. The stories yeah. like about Mark. Have you seen any of the Godfather movies? I've seen the first two. Okay, so the third one, the story is insane. Like his daughter, uh, Francis Ford Coppola suddenly just had to play mary who's michael corleone's daughter she's not an actress she was not an actress she was not supposed to be in this movie and it's crazy so i've been obsessed with like finding out what happened and anyway i would recommend just going back and watching those movies just the first two the third one i wouldn't recommend so. That's actually that's a great recommendation because I'm I hadn't seen them until I think I first watched the Godfather movies I want to say like eight years ago or something like that like I hadn't seen them before that and it's just blown away by like like yes. Godfather two is unbelievable like how they epic, hold up but, yeah it's yeah okay so anyway um, the other so thing Mark too will... Jonas Jonas did you yeah. look at the the top one hundred sports movies thing that the Athletic put out I participated or... in that yeah I yeah. voted on a lot of those movies. Like the the list is like, man, I have not seen like 70 of those movies. And it's like, how am I going to, I got lots of time on my hands, but like, how am I going to make it through this list and watch all these movies? There's tons of stuff on there I want to watch. Yeah. Some I'd never even heard of. Yeah. But they look unbelievable though. Like you read the description and it's like, holy cow. Like some of the like documentaries and stuff like that. Like I got to, I'm going to start, you know, watching one of those a night, I think here going forward and, you know, screw all the all the streaming TV and whatever. I think I got to, I got to invest in that list. All right. Mark's got to go. I will just add, it's been really nice catching up with you guys. I, I've missed our chats. Uh, something that you miss is the in the day to day grind is uh, talking a little hockey with you guys. So I appreciate that. And I hope you're, you're holding up good. Yeah. Okay, I hope so we have, Mark, I hope yeah, we have a ahead, random please. dinner in some U S city somewhere <laughs> in, in our, in our near future. I hope so. Okay, and Mark, we'll bring you back soon to do our next round of players. Uh, both the exciting you guys... conclusion of the most interesting Leafs list next week. No, no, week. no, not, not, not the conclusion. No, it's only going to be six more players. We're going to have like three more of these. Part two. Part six. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like Godfather 3 <laughs> when we get oh, to the no. fourth. Or the, well, we're going to be doing Marley's and we'll be, down to the, we'll be down to the Growlers at some point. Oh, boy. Something to look forward to. All right, well, to. boys, stay safe. Uh, everyone out there thank you for listening we hope you're hanging in Uh, just one day at a time I think is all we can do so thank you guys 